Hello and welcome to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. And I'm Jake Michaels. And this is a podcast about people who love tabletop games interviewing other people who love tabletop games about the tabletop games they love. Right, Jake? It is. That's correct. You got it right. Thank you. I was reading. (laughs) Have you ever forgotten what this podcast is? Mm, All the time. Got you confused (laughs) with another podcast that you do? (laughs) We haven't introduced you yet. Who was that guy? (laughs) That guy was Patrick Capera. He's our guest today. Hello. Did I say your last name correctly? You did. Yes! Okay, always important. Uh, Patrick is a published game developer and writer. He's worked on over 30 titles of his own creation, uh, probably 30 more as a freelance writer and editor. He's the co-founder of Crafty Games, uh, created the award-winning Spycraft brand, which is an RPG game, and uh, has published Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn House Wars game with Crafty and uh, nominated for a Diana Jones Award in Gaming Excellent. A busy guy, plays a lot of games. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> That's a good little resume. Uh, yeah, um, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, you worked for AEG for many, many years. I did, from yeah. 98 to 2005, yeah. Oh, wow, that is many years. Yeah. And you Far started the there as a writer? I or? started there as an editor. Okay. Actually, I started as an intern. Uh, and uh, they brought me on for a three-month stint, and by the end of my three months, I had a couple cover credits. And they're like, okay, maybe we should hire him as a writer. Cool. <laughs> so I wound up uh, staying on with them as a writer for a few years before they elevated me to brand manager. Right so, on. Yeah. And you said, about time. <laughs> Come on, Alderock Entertainment Group. Oh, they were, they, were, they were wonderful to work for. Yeah. So. But, then, but then you branched out and started your own publishing company, Crafty Games. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? Uh, AEG went through a restructuring mm-hmm. uh, in 2005. They eventually, they were primarily um, uh, collectible card games and role-playing games at the time uh, and heavy IP building. And they transformed into the board game company that they are today. Uh, but that w- took years. Um, right at the beginning of that, they uh, they went through a, a period where um, they were trying to figure out where the company was going to go and where everyone was going to fall. And I had actually gone on sabbatical a few months earlier. Um, and so I come back from sabbatical and suddenly the company is like a, a sliver of its former size because they, they condensed down just to get to the core of what they wanted. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> where and, uh, am I? <laughs> exactly. So I called up John Zinzer and asked him what was going on. He explained and and every, it was really good. And, and we parted on great terms because at the time there just was not a place for me at the company. Um, and he's like, well, just call me up if you ever, uh, ever need anything. And so my, my freelancers and I were talking about, um, about Spycraft not long after that. Um, and we had wanted to continue it. And Spycraft was one of the brands that had been spun off into sort of, you know, development non-existence by this, this restructuring. Sure. Let's hold in. Uh, tell us what is Spycraft? Yeah, yeah. Spycraft is a game that uh, I created in 2001. It was published in 2002. It's had two editions. It's a role-playing game uh, for now. Um, and uh, <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> uh, it's an espionage, modern espionage themed uh, action RPG that originally started uh, built on the D20 system, but it's gradually moved further and further away from that and acquired sort of its own identity. Um, it's sort of team based James Bond um, <laughs> is the best way to Mission Impossible style play. Now, were there a lot of RPGs really breaking the mold of what D&D had set at that point? Because now, of course, there definitely are. It was it was a, a, a very busy time. Everybody was like there were post-APOC hacks for 
uh, D20. There were um, modern hacks for it. There were everything under the sun. Uh, so to clarify that, just to make sure for everybody's on the same page on this, you're talking about the D20 system that was largely what was based around third edition D&D, right? Third edition right? D&D, And yeah. then when you say hacks, it's like uh, homemade mods or, or published mods. No, published mods. That, or published mods yeah. that modified that system to fit into a world or an open source world, right? Right. So it's a really long time ago now. So people yeah. um, have sort of forgotten, but the D20 license... Um, it was the 20 game third edition launched with an open game license Mm -hmm. that allowed anyone to publish anything inside the D 20 moniker. And it was originally intended for people to create adventures and extra magic items and new monsters for D and D, but they hadn't really considered that people would branch out and start. At least that's the impression I got. They did uh, at the time. It seemed like they were sort of scrambling to figure out how to define what that license was allowed to do. And the way the license was actually set up, people were able to to essentially do D&D offshoots that weren't D&D, D&D yeah. at all. And used all um, that foundational work they'd done to then create a system of their own publishing, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. so fascinating. And, and do it professionally. I, th- I think you're yeah. right. I don't think they intended that at all. And that mm. was just a side effect Happy of Happy accident for everyone else. <laughs> we we got lucky because we were sort of officially endorsed because oh, yeah. Zinzer was friends with everybody at Wizards, of course, because they owned L5R for a really long time. Legend uh, of the Five Rings. Exactly. Yeah, and so we'd, we'd all worked on that game. We were still working on that game for Wizards and and so we wound up getting licensed to use some of the Star Wars stuff that was also based on D20. So we were sort of semi-legitimized by that a little bit more than a lot of companies. Super legit. A lot of games yeah. were. So yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. That's great. Amazing. So that's how Stark... Uh... Spycraft. God, I want to say Starcraft. Starcraft. I was like, that's Highly not it. Game. You yeah. didn't create Starcraft. <laughs> Spycraft came about. <laughs> so it's early. It's early, listeners. It's early here. <laughs> Starcraft, the RPG, was one of the first... The uh, RPG systems I designed in a notebook myself that never got published because it was, you know, it was oh, you designed the Starcraft, Starcraft RPG? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. The one that, never, that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's in my notebook somewhere. Designed by a 10 year old Jake Michaels. Uh, yeah, he was like 14. Yeah, okay. yeah for you sure. have to get me a copy of that at some point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a mess. You gotta find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, is that your first real. You'd done a lot of world building in games before that, yeah? Yeah, well, before that, before Spycraft launched, I'd worked on Legend of the Burning Sands, which was an offshoot of Legend of the Five Rings, sort of an Arabian Nights style card game. Uh, and I was the story lead for that. Uh, and when um, that ended, they moved me over to Doomtown and I took over the second story of Doomtown. Um, and I worked a little bit on L5R with Resosby and everybody else in the background. Doomtown is based on Dead something? Dead Deadlands. Deadlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. card the, game, right? Uh, or, no, uh, RPG. RPG. And then one of them was a card game, though, wasn't it? Uh, Doomtown. Okay, Doomtown was the card game. Doomtown was the card game, yeah. So you have a long history in card games specifically. That's what I, well, it, as you say, that's mostly world building. Um, so, well, at least for me. Um, there was a design team that managed all the mechanics and I worked directly with them and occasionally I would throw an idea into the mix, but usually I stayed out of that. Uh, and they would give me sort of a raw pile of mechanics for an expansion like this works. We're happy with it. Go flavor it. And then I would figure out how to write a story. Around oh, cool. That. Yeah, oh, that's a amazing. great job. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So they'd present you with the mechanics. Right. Exactly. Uh, and and I'd skin them essentially. Yeah. I'd come up with uh. all the art descriptions and all the flavor text and write fiction that was sort of tying them together. And yeah. 
come awesome. up with tournament ideas, things like that. So when when you were young, before you even knew you would be a game designer, or I don't know if you bo- were born with that idea, <laughs> uh, did you have a background in writing specifically, or what I, was your background in that led you to that position? I always um, I always wrote, and I always wrote creatively, but I wasn't trained professionally to do it. I actually even better. Who needs it? <laughs> if you have good ideas, you don't need someone to tell you your ideas are good. Well, everybody who winds up like training in it winds up going off to do something else. Like, hey, I'm trained as a creative writer, but I'm a pharmacist now. Or <laughs> it's bizarre. Oh, uh, yeah. Works. It's like having a degree in art history or <clears throat> theater performance. <laughs> theater. I'm Bachelor of Arts from University of Missouri, Kansas City. No big deal. <laughs> Do you want to see it? I have it right here, framed. I have it. I have mine framed, and it's just sitting oh, on the framed. floor where I will never put it up on. I'll never put that on the wall. Uh, I like to frame my floor. An English degree. Yeah, I I cover my floor with frames. Is that not normal? Uh, no, it's normal because I have it in my house too. <laughs> we okay. need to hang that up. Cover your floor with frames? Not cover. Just that's where they get stored. Oh, that's I like where to decorate uh, yeah. so people know uh, where to where walk. Where they get past. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. You get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, what what were games that got you into gaming? Uh, let's see. I started actually playing AD&D first edition. That was the very first thing I ever played. Ooh, first edition. First edition, yeah. Cutting it, edge, ground floor. Well, Redbox and everything came well before that. Uh, and I wound up actually going back and playing Redbox after. But AD&D was sort of the... You know you've been in it in, since the beginning when you like clarify that Redbox came before how old you are. No, I'm this. just like, a little now. Yeah, I know, yeah. but you are. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you're, that's so specific and true, but like you're old school. Let's admit it. Like, I, us, I am old school. Because we are too. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't playing Redbox when it hit, is my point. Yeah, I got I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make school. that claim. Yeah, that's so. true. You're, you're new school. I've been Thank playing you. since AD&D. Well. That's true. Yeah, uh, so I started with that, perfect. and then I, I played a bunch of stuff. Cyworld, Shadowrun, Cyberpunk. Shadowrun. Oh, yeah. nice. oh, I love Tor. Shadowrun. Uh, yeah. Shadowrun gets some love, Does especially shout-out to Saving Throw Show, our buddies over there. They've it's, done some Shadowrun yeah, that's true. campaigns. They, and there's actually some video games that still come out. It's still a living franchise out there. I always loved that. That was Sixth a really edition fun just announced, thing. Uh, just launched at Gen Con. Is it, how is it? I haven't played it, <sighs> but it looks great. Is it a thinner book this time because uh, i feel like every, and they figured out how to make um their uh their hackers sort of simultaneous with the rest of the team right instead of existing in did, super yeah. speed or whatever yeah you know that game was so cool but they just had so many subsystems in terms of like every possibility of physics it was just so much burden S- to learn yeah some of the uh, the the d6 pool uh, mini game things that yeah. would happen yeah it, uh, they were fun but they were a work they were yeah, arithmetic it was a lot of work it wasn't hero by any means, but it was up there. <laughs> All right. Transitioning from old school RPGs I've never played. <laughs> I uh, would love to talk more about Mistborn House War. Mm-hmm. This is a game we played on Game the Game uh Almost two years ago now. And I want to talk about, start with talking about Mistborn, the trilogy by Brandon Sanderson, because I'm a big fan and I want to nerd out about that for a minute. So uh, you could become ahead of the great house of Luthadel in this game. So... (laughs) It is it is a world, it is a dystopian world where these great lords overrule all of all of the peasant class. Oh man, I, I've forgotten all of my terminology. <laughs> um, and and there are these people who have powers and your power is 
enacted by swallowing a vial of metal and burning it from within yourself to do whatever your one ability is. Uh, like you could be a steel pusher or like an iron puller. No, iron is probably related to emotions. But you, you, um, you have one connection to one type of metal that gives you one specific power. Right. And it either pushes or pulls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know more. Go on. Go on. <laughs> so, so uh, in the world, uh, Matt, uh, Brandon's uh, uh, novels are all um, defined by their magic systems. Mm. Uh, he's got one based on light. He's got um, uh, uh, ones based on a number of different things. This one, uh, as you say, it's it's about the chemical properties of metal and what happens when you ingest them and then burn them in your system. But yes, only if you're I love a specific technical type of magic. I yeah. love when it's quantified. I want to know how it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this one's deep. It's got 20 some odd different effects, um, uh, different metals that you, that you can burn. And there are pushing metals and pulling metals. And Well, it starts with just as, eight. Don't get crazy. Yeah, and, it's true. Eight that you know about in the first book. We're a little deep into it now. So I forget that there was a period where it was just this. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, so the, the whole pushing and pulling thing is interesting because, for example, there are two metals, one of which pushes emotions and one of which pulls emotions and so mm. uh the way that that will work like is a rioter and a, a and a soother a soother yes. yeah so uh so for example you could either riot someone to inflame their emotions and get them angry at the opportune moment um or you could do the exact opposite and and calm them down and by push and, and pull if, you guys mean like endow them with that emotion or take uh, that emotion away so yes. it's sort of it, it's all pushing or pulling away from you um uh but it's but it is ultimately having the effect you're describing, yes, which okay. is like I'm pulling it out of you toward me Got or I'm it. pushing it from me So it's me a transference of sorts. Exactly. Okay. And Understood. that's the sort of metaphorical pushing and pulling. There's also literal yes. pushing and pulling of metals, which enables characters to fly. Okay. Uh, but sort only of fly. if you are mistborn. Yeah, you can, uh, so you can steal means... push by pushing off of metal pieces. So you basically mm. like pole vault with the energy within you. It's like you. stilt walking. Yeah. <laughs> Any emotion of your choice? Like, it, it could, Do you choose emotion? Or? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, we're, this is we're uh... moving on from emotion now. Oh, now we're in the uh, physics. Yeah, now yeah. we're okay. on to. So, if you are a mistborn, you have access to burning all of the metals. So, you can both push and pull emotions. You can both push and pull on steel. So, the way that you can fly is kind of a combination of pole vaulting to push away and like Spider Man uh, web slinging to pull. Exactly. And the combination yeah. of that, if there's enough metal, like even, you know, part of a steel building or uh, pushing against. Um, a, a nail sitting on the floor across the room. You Throw could, a coin on the ground and push off of it sort yeah. of thing. Sure, absolutely. So <laughs> That's there's, cool. Uh, what, do you, what do they call A coin shot coin is shot, uh, yeah. basically a mercenary that will... Um, kill you by shooting a coin through your head. What? Yeah, they throw up in the air and then shove it Man. through the air at you like a projectile. That's... So basically it's a very well thought out, very just brilliant world. Um, Vin is the protagonist of the first book, The Final Empire. Well, uh, all three of the the first trilogy. Mm -hmm. And she she is one of the few Mistborn uh, led and is taken in by Kelsier, mm -hmm. the head of this sort of den of thieves where he has a collection of all types of metal burners that uh, want to uprise against the corrupt government. This so, is the basic pitch cool. for the first novel is it's essentially Oceans 13 meets Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. So, yeah. Well, so, the, well, the game itself kind of plays that out, right? 
Uh, so it plays out. You are uh, essentially the bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we started with an RPG that does play out the way that you expect. Okay. There's, there's, you build a crew. You come up with what the crew's trying to accomplish in the world, and and the GM. It's uh, sort of a narrative discourse game, a mm-hmm. little bit like, uh, like fate in terms of complexity sure. and 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 mechanics. Um, it uses its own system, but it's very similar. Um, and when we built the board game. Uh, everybody sort of expected us to go with the heroes again. And we were talking to Kevin Wilson, uh, who co-created Spycraft with me. And he's like, you know, I've always wanted to do a negotiation game. And that started a conversation where we wound up at, uh, on this this idea of the players sitting down as the the leaders of the noble houses who are essentially running the dystopian empire for mm-hmm. the, the, the big bad whose name is the Lord Ruler. Who is all powerful. That's yeah. why it's called the final empire because... Uh, Hey, he's gonna live forever, so you don't need anybody after. Final Empire, no problem. Lord Ruler. Yeah, forever. that's what's actually cool about kind of the level that these people are at is that they are the high houses, so they have all the power in the city, except exactly. the god that sits right above them. <laughs> yes, and he's essentially the one doling out the victory points mm-hmm. throughout the game, mm-hmm. although he's never actually a, a component there. He's right. not His at the table, he's not a player. Um, so, yeah. So, we have negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain to me a little bit more about how this game is played. Because you'll do a better job than I could. It's been uh, a minute. (laughs) um, Everybody controls a house. The house gets a number of resources. There are six resources in the game, five basic resources, uh, like warriors or or food or or money, Um, and a sixth resource called adium, which is the magic metal in the setting. It's essentially the anything metal. Got to get that Um, ATM. Yeah, and in in the story of the novels, the adium is stockpiled by noble houses as a sort of super currency. Um, but in, uh, in our game, it operates as a wild that you can use in place of anything else. Um, so that you have all these resources and there are all these problems that are coming across the board and the way the problems, they're literally called problems, aren't they? They are. <laughs> they're, they're called problem cards. Yeah. Mm, we have a problem card. And those actually show up essentially because of what's happening in the novels. The, the characters in the novels are causing problems and, uh, and, and uh, a- attempting to, uh, to to disrupt the empire. So yeah, as the rebels start to overthrow things, the houses have to respond, right? Exactly. By, by committing these resources to doing so. Right. And then they negotiate with other houses to split the reward? Yeah, well, the, the trick is that in most cases, you're not going to be able to solve a problem on your own. Mm-hmm. So you have to actually work with multiple people at the table. Uh, and doing that um, so, uh, sort of forces you into a position where someone has to take a certain amount of credit from for solving the problem for the Lord Ruler, who's going to be pleased if the problem is solved. Uh, and so the negotiation is twofold. Um, it, it, on the one hand, it's how much can I leverage of what I've got and still maintain more throughout the rest of the game. And then on the, re- uh, on the other side, uh, it's how much for favor of the Lord Rulers, which is victory points. Can I curry out of this? Yes. Um, and then just to add extra complications. We've got personality cards that you, they're people you hire that you play and they, they, uh, they come in and change things. The major, uh, the major from. complication of the game that you haven't mentioned yet is the end condition in terms right. of like who wins and loses depending where the battle. Yes. Right. You can Lord align. Rulers, uh, favor doesn't matter if the empire yeah. falls, right? Yeah. So that's uh, a crazy idea. I love that idea. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin was, this was where he started. He wanted the, the mutually exclusive victory condition and he built the rest of the game sort of around it. Um, Alternate win conditions are always, always a fun time. I'm all about it. 
Yeah, this one's really exciting because what it does is is either the unrest track is gonna going to you're going to have um, Kelsey or get to the end of the unrest track. You've got to figure who's the leader the of this sort of rebellion. So if he is successful in overthrowing the Lord Ruler, then you want to be on Kelsier's side. Yeah, you want to be away from the Lord Ruler, which means you actually want the lowest score possible. And since the game sort of is built to get the highest score possible um, in your in in its basic play pattern um uh it disrupts it because you you start playing and you realize well wait a minute i don't know i'm not going to know for a while yet whether the empire will actually survive this game so i can't really run my score all the way up so you wind up sort of playing the middle point and sometimes you collect disgrace on purpose sure uh, and let your house be be shamed just so that you're not quite so close to the Lord Ruler and things like that. So. Absolutely. So my instinct when I play a game like this is to always go for the alternate win condition. Yeah, mm-hmm. But then is. you sort of need to be the only one doing that, right? Well, but if you're the only one, it may not happen because right. you may not be able to force the unrest track high enough. So is the ideal that people sort of split up half and half? Uh, I don't know that there is an ideal. We found um, that there have been pretty successful games uh, where it's one on many. And pretty successful games that work half and half. So uh, it's one we're pretty we're pretty pleased with the balance on that side. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily fall into a particular path. Yeah, I think so. all my playthroughs have been pretty balanced, which yeah. is difficult with an an alternate win condition being available. Uh, yeah, uh, and especially when the driving force in the game isn't a mechanic; it's the players themselves, because yes. you can't really predict what they're going to do. Yes. So. <laughs> People be unpredictable. Yeah. All right. I, I want to talk a little bit about negotiation games in general and your feelings about them because I love a good negotiation game. But depending on the players you have at the table, you may be able to manipulate certain people more than others, especially if they're more of a casual gamer that is uh, a very nice person. What do you do in those situations where you know you could take advantage of the newer player at the table in a negotiation kind of game? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- this uh, I will freely admit, this is one place where Mistborn's not quite as friendly to the new gamer in some in some respects. Because, like, it, it, I mean, it, it's hey, a shark's pit, right? That's all right. You um, listen, this is a podcast for gamers. So, uh, yeah, you know. so it's, it's a little bit more, uh, more difficult to say, hey, uh, you know, new person who's kind of shy and hasn't really come out of their shell yet with board gaming in general, come play this game where everybody is nasty to each other and betrays <laughs> each other on a regular basis. Well, you yeah. know, that's Luthadel. Yeah. Um, but personally, um, I would probably wind up allying with that person pretty early on mm-hmm. just to try and help them mm-hmm. help them through just through example, if nothing else. Right. Even if you take a fall. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I know games are about the friendships we make. Yeah. Let the Wookiee <laughs> win when you're demoing nice. a game. Right. But <laughs> but it's the context, too, of what you set up, though. You brought a person in for their first version of Mistborn. You want them, you to, want have fun. them to And you want them to know that yeah. this is part of the game. Part yeah. of the game is betrayal. Part of the game is taking advantage as much as you can of those alliances right Mm -hmm. so they should know they if they come in knowing that then you feel a little bit better of quote-unquote taking advantage because you're not taking advantage of their newness because you set them up right well the 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 single best thing i think you could do in that situation is to set up a scenario where they're the one who gets to do the betraying yeah and uh and actually get advantage of someone else um 
because then, uh, you know, hopefully they they own that, right? And yeah. then they can start moving through the game at their own pace and, and uh, you know, it, embracing it on their own terms. Yeah, I'm always uh, pleasantly surprised when playing a social deduction game and... Uh, I've had one time I was playing with a housemate who was pretty new to games. Now she's a hardcore gamer. <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, a cousin who this was at Thanksgiving and uh, she's like 10 years older than me and she's uh, she casually games, but she's a lawyer. Uh, she has the sweetest voice and like straightest face and she got me so good. She was definitely on the side of the resistance, but she she was so like when a new gamer is able to lie yeah. very well and that's not negotiation, that's social deduction, but they're very uh, similar. There's but a lot there of is that very much um, up off the table kind of element of both of those mechanics. There's still yeah. deception in either way, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. But Jake, I want I want you to speak a little more about um, negotiation because you are the master of in Twilight Imperium. What's that? Casually getting everyone on your side, <laughs> and then you just win every time because you are the one who's explaining the rules. You very much come in as the authority, so therefore we all trust you yep. and always trade with only you. How well, do you do that? I wouldn't say that you want gaming. I, I'm not. Well, I try not to be. I have this reputation. So, like, I was literally thinking about this this morning. It's really interesting you brought this up. The thing is, is that I have a reputation for for doing just that, which is uh, making a lot of deals and uh, like people later in the game seeing how my deals have chained up into something like they didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And so I actually just played a game of Twilight Imperium about three weeks ago with uh, four of the five other players I had never played with before. At not Gen Con? What's it called? Uh, at Gen Cant. Gen Cant. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, three of the players I never played with before. But before I got there, our good mutual friend Ruel told them to be mindful <laughs> of working with Jake. He set up him. a pretext of like, he will make deals with you, but he's, I don't think the words wolf in sheep's clothing were said, but man, <laughs> that's the reputation I had. Like they shook my hand when I first met him and they were all very nice, but then like an hour in, they're like, well, Ruel told us about you. I was like, what? <laughs> and that game went pretty far and I was actually very much in a bad position for most of it. I was still like in it, I was back midway. And then towards the very end, I had a shot at winning and Ruel threw up his hands. He's like, how did you do this? <laughs> In the end, I did not win. Well, But here's, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I had a follow-up question. Finish your, you go. Well, I was going to say, like, my true honest thing, I don't try to really take advantage of anybody. I really don't. What I actively try to do is look for goal, for deals that will benefit my uh, person I'm dealing with. Because if they honestly see a benefit, then they'll honestly try to give me but my, what I want. Yeah, you. But yeah, you're the yes. one that always <laughs> is looking for the deal that will benefit versus focusing on what's right in front of yes. you. Yes. Right. Now, sometimes they have leverage over me or I have leverage over them depending on our position. That's just negotiation. That's mm -hmm. just life. You know? Yeah, That's but I'm a greater I'm, scheme of things. I'm aggressive for helping people get what they want in return for something that they don't value now, but I will value later. Right. Right. Okay, this brings up another topic for me, which is playing with the handicap of p people having preconceived notions of you as a gamer. Before we do, we should probably take a break. Should we lead, can Ooh, we lead that into a break? Cliffhanger. <laughs> we'll be right back after this break. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. That's Jake Michaels, and our guest is Patrick Capera. Hey, yo. <laughs> uh, so, when we last left us, we were discussing what it's like for people who are brilliant, excellent, <laughs> win-all-the-time gamers like the three of us, and uh, how we deal with sitting down to a table and someone saying, don't trust them, they're really good at games. <laughs> Conversely, uh, also, or I mean, I should say also, we're also talking about maybe the host of a game night. So maybe you, as a listener, are the person who's hosting, and so everybody knows that you're the guy or the girl who you has the, the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for questioning your default. Yeah, uh, you're the person who has the game, so therefore you know the rules and therefore are pretty safe to go against because they're going to probably have an quote-unquote advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's a fair thing to think, I think. Uh, but we don't want us to always be the target, right? Well, yeah. Well, how do you deal with this, Patrick? Because I assume you're quite a gamer. I'm sure there's situations you've been in that are similar. There are. So, well, um, I don't play a lot of uh, board games with strangers. Um, I have uh, seen you at booths, sir, and I don't believe you. Called uh, <laughs> Okay, I demo a lot of games to strangers, but okay. the demoing is very, very different because in those cases, uh, I'm more focused on showcasing what's cool than I am actually playing the game myself. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, and even if I'm there playing the game myself, I'm usually, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find opportunities to say, here's this mechanic that is in the game that we haven't seen yet. How can I actually work it in? Aha. So a lot of times I'll I'll make... I'll, I'll take turns that in retrospect don't seem like the best idea. Um, but it let me play a personality card that, that I wouldn't have been able to showcase otherwise, or it let me show uh, how a particular rule worked or something like that. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Very, very different. Um, uh, when I'm playing games, I tend not to be overly competitive. Um, wow. uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> not, not our bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, Is that on, on purpose? Yeah, yeah. I I'm, see because your default as someone that loves games, I assume, like anyone that loves games, winning feels good. <laughs> well, w- winning does winning does feel good, and I enjoy winning. So you uh, had to teach yourself to be less competitive. Uh, well, uh, so my group tends to play co-ops, um, and we do that on purpose because, like, we all like winning together. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I am the host. Yeah, exactly. I also think Becca's <laughs> worldview might be changing a little bit. Like you need to acknowledge that maybe not everybody experiences the games the same way that you do. I will never acknowledge that. <laughs> he, he's, he's flat out saying like I, it, winning's not the most important thing. And you're it's like, not. Well, winning is the most important thing. Sure, 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 like, sure, sure, sure. The experience but, is actually, uh, honestly, legitimately the most important yes. thing for me. Aww. Yeah. Wow, so. I say that all the time, but I don't mean it. You're, <laughs> you're a rare butterfly. <laughs> Go on. You had you had other thoughts. So what is what would your advice fix me, Patrick? I how do so I, this, how you, do I learn to I don't be a know Zen that gamer? I am qualified to, to to attempt to fix you, Becca. <laughs> uh, Maybe I can, I'm just I can try. How I am? Oh, okay. I mean, Go ahead. You and I you and I experience this the same way, right? Yeah. Is that we we yeah we we're the person we're the authority figure when it comes to rules generally in our groups. Yes. Therefore, as am I. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, we are. Uh, 
prone to being targeted because it's a safe thing. Most people who are tentative in their first game are pretty conservative about what they do. And so if they're going to take a risk, they're going to take it on the person who has the seeming advantage. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, absolutely. My suggestion is to go with it. Like, oh, my suggestion is try and play up that other yes. person at the table that's the real threat. Yes, yes. Play the victim as well. Like, so in that game of Twilight Imperium, I actually had one of the worst starting positions, and on either side of me were also terrible starting positions. He's just bragging nonstop <laughs> about this game. But I used yeah, that. Yeah, we get it. You came from behind but, when everyone. No, 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 no. Was my this point, the game you my, won? No, it's a game I didn't oh, win. Okay, but right. my point of that is, <laughs> is that I had a disadvantage that I used as an advantage in that I told everybody how bad my position was. Mm. Therefore, I was perceived as less of a threat mm. and therefore came in with a little bit of an advantage to a lot of negotiations because they didn't think giving me would uh, a, a benefit would benefit me much more. I wasn't right. already ahead. Right. And they're still making the deal for themselves. Ultimately. Right. So I'm not saying like be super whiny when people jump on you, but make them recognize that, oh, Becca's been debilitated. We don't have to pile on her more. Sure, Even make if you them are pity in you. the game a I little bit. I see this manipulation oh, yeah, tactic. A little bit. Again, it's not manipulation. It's the truth of like, oh, we really did gang up on her. Like make them realize the truth. Yeah. I think my feelings about it were when when I started being that person at the table mm-hmm. where people looked to me for the rules and therefore looked to me to be their first uh, target. Right. I At first it was like, hey, now that's not fair. That's mean. Stop it. Everybody stop beating up on me. And now I take it very much as a compliment. As and you should. As an added challenge for yeah. I have to work that much harder to come out ahead in the game. And it's like. Oh, you up my difficulty level. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. No problem. I got this. And even if I don't win, it teaches me to lose more gracefully the more I lose. That's a great attitude. <laughs> have Have you considered the? Uh, so you're 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 saying that you're predominantly the host. Um, Always. And, Definitely and on predominantly... show where this happens a also lot too. Also in my house, I love I love to host a game night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're predominantly the person who knows the rules. This is true. Have you pre- uh, considered taking the demo approach? with your home game, where instead of making it about your uh, your position, you're constantly saying, well, this person is currently, just educate everyone at the table about where this person is or that person is. Because if you do that, you're actually, it's all misdirection. You're taking all of the attention off yourself and suddenly people are thinking about, this guy's got these resources or this person's planet could do these two things in the next couple of turns. It it sort of puts all of the uh, the emphasis on the other side of the table, which mm-hmm. might give you the freedom to do uh, to play the game a little bit more liberally. See, Patrick, you you said you couldn't fix me, and yet <laughs> here you have made me even more superpower. <laughs> this advice, absolutely, I love that. Uh, just be consciously aware of other people's board state, and then. I like to make sure people get complimented if they're doing something Absolutely. cool. You know, well, people well, the, love to feel good about you're the, the authority engine they at the set table, up. Right, so yeah. it's like I can speak with authority about what this person has and what they're capable of. Yeah. So that backfires on me. <laughs> it does because people oh, that's think cute that you got that going on. Yeah, they think I'm being sarcastic, and I'm not. I'm like, I'm genuinely. Like, hey, nice move. You got two points. Like, fuck you, Jake. Yeah, I'm not. I know what you're Are you doing. Quoting you're, me? You're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they accuse it, me of misdirection. It, it they does know backfire I'm, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And when it backfires. Fires, it does backfire but kind I'm of spitefully, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I just wanted to give one thought, and I don't know where this quote, I can't remember where it came from now, but it's been really a guiding force whenever I'm kind of uh, in a bad place or worried about how I'm coming off to people. I don't. I know that's not something everyone worries about, but uh, 
but when you're like trying to get in, make new friends or like uh, get in with a new group, my oh gosh, I wish I could remember where I first heard this because it was someone important said this. I'll just say it now. Yeah, say it first <laughs> and maybe we'll find who it was. Um, the idea that uh, people's perception of you mm-hmm. is based on how you make them feel about themselves. So in that sense, being a gracious gamer is really important for cultivating these friendships Mm -hmm. and making sure that someone else is having a good time playing is going to make them feel better about you as a person off the gaming table. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that goes for all interactions, right? Of like people only know you from their interactions with you. They don't know all of your history. And even if you tell it to them, they didn't experience it. Mm -hmm. So when you sit down at a table with someone and they see how you treat them, that's all they know about you personally and in the game world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, just wanted to give that life advice. Oh, no, I love that. Well, I mean, have you been able to apply that in terms of? Yeah, people love me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we were leading to. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh I figured it out uh, it was Pete Buttigieg oh <laughs> I figured it out because I have Mayor phone Pete. notes that says words to live by mm. yeah Mayor Pete said that love Mayor Pete well said yeah good guy uh, my third choice for uh, Democratic nominee for uh, well hopefully he's still in it by the time of this podcast yeah he will that, be. yeah that's He'll very be still in it. that's it's not only, very yeah, far away we're not that far ahead <laughs> unless we find out about all that yeah. dirty laundry Pete Buttigieg has uh, <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> We're in the United States of America in a primary season, Jake. Yeah. I wore my Bernie Sanders pants to yoga today. They have Bernie Sanders' face on them. But really, he's my second favorite primary <laughs> candidate. I just have the pants from 2016. Anyway, they, should we talk about are games? They like yoga pants? Like really? Yeah, tight? They're, they're leggings. Got it. They were a gift. Where is his face? I, I wanted Everywhere. to ask the question, but I didn't feel I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's right. I'll ask you for um, it. It's like a, it's like a screen print of his face that is repeated in multiple colors all over the legging. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. So uh, someone relaxing in yoga next to you while trying to get into meditative state opens their eyes and sees his face all over your legs. It's very, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, socialism. it's like a, you know, it's like an Andy Warhol kind of version, of him, <laughs> but a single color screen print. So it's not like. You're just seeing an old man's face on a young woman's ass. It's uh... <laughs> although it's... that could have been a good sales tagline for the for the leggings. <laughs> yeah, but it, they can be studio. on anyone's ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bernie Sanders belongs on everyone's ass, uh, but Elizabeth Warren on your T-shirt. You know, there it is. No big deal. Um, there, yeah. Uh, shout it out, all three. Sponsor the show, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, if we could get her to guess on this, no big deal. She calls people every once in a while. I, I follow her on Instagram. I, I see it. saw that and <laughs> I immediately donated three separate times. <laughs> do you do you answer all spam calls hoping that it's Elizabeth Warren? I just received one as we were recording this podcast and I- You have to pick it up. I gotta pick it up. I don't know now, her area Especially code. if it's Massachusetts. Yeah, if it's a Massachusetts area code, you gotta pick it up. Okay. You answer all phone calls with Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to start picking up uh, unrecognized numbers, which I usually just let go to voicemail. I'm a very I'm a call screeny kind of person, uh, because there's so much so much spam. Yeah. Uh, so many robocalls, but specifically about whether or not I want a loan. I don't want a loan anyway. Uh, now I'm going to answer them all, Elizabeth. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, I gave you Pete Buttigieg. You gave me. <laughs> Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Patrick, new topic related to gaming once again. Yeah. Uh, so it's just it's a couple weeks after Gen Con now, yes. and will be a couple more weeks after Gen Con when this goes out to listeners. But I want to talk about your experience, what was fun, what was interesting, uh, maybe some games you like there, and then and then other ideas you have about the overall feeling of Gen Con. Sure, absolutely. So you uh, had a booth, right? Where, where do yeah, we had a booth. We were um, at the apex of the uh, you know where the the booth twists over into open gaming. Um, we were right next to that. Perfect spot. Yeah, it was really yeah, good. Yeah, right on the yeah. edge. Get those get those hardcore gamers where they sit. Backed up by North Star. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Great gaming company. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there was, there was some really fun stuff that came out of Gen Con. We mm-hmm. talked about some of it in a previous episode, and I was working with Renegade, so they got uh, unabashed, unsponsored, but might as well be sponsored content from us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, we got to stop talking about it. Yeah. So we can't talk about anything else, Renegade. They already got two episodes. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but- you and I were both kind of making the observation that there was nothing that was a standout hit. This is the one thing that everyone must play out of this Gen Con, right? Yeah. Did you feel that way? I think there was a lot of really interesting stuff. And there were uh, there were a lot of games that I wanted to own, and there were a lot of games I wanted to play. Um, but it didn't feel like there was a winner of Gen Con this year. And it's felt that way in years past, you'd say? I, I, it feels like that every once in a while. I, 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 I think... Um, you know, idea space is large, but it is colonized by a great many people. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, it, it, it's, it takes a little while, I think, for things to bubble up to the surface and be like truly monstrously great. What's Um, an example of something that has risen to that level in, in whatever year in the past decade. Oh, well, we were, before the show, we were talking about Gloomhaven. That's definitely one that did. Yeah, yeah. that one definitely stood out. Yeah, it was yeah. 2018 or 2017? Uh, I th- 2018. I, Recently. It was, it was in the last couple of years, yeah. Um, and that one definitely took everybody sort of by storm, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what were, but what were the the top ones this year that were at least getting some buzz? Because they were all, you were saying previously that it was like, a step up from an already established type yeah, of game, like right? everybody. Uh, so, for example, uh, Simon uh, had a a closed in booth that I. It took me a couple days to actually get close enough to see what was going on in it because <laughs> it was entirely <laughs> enclosed except for a window. Really? Um, and it turned out it's this thing called Taburu. Um, I think that's the name of T E B U R U. Okay. Um, and it's uh, uh essentially a, a, a system they're building um, a little I'm a little sad it's proprietary actually uh, or it seems to be proprietary where you put sensors on uh, game pieces and you have a sort of a, a neoprene style sensor mat and what? so the the app that goes along with it sort of keeps track of where all the pieces are <laughs> oh my god when's Mansions of Madness going to release their new edition yeah. with that technology and so I sort of immediately went to uh, the next step of application, which is what I want. I want to be able to see um, people building campaigns that are not already in existence 
um, with yeah. this so that give them the building blocks kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I can use my set at home to play something I've never seen mm-hmm. before and be surprised by the content or possibly randomize stuff like the old XCOM game did. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that's where that technology is really interesting, but you can see that's like, it's one step away. <laughs> like it's, this thing's really cool. Well, this will be replicated yeah. at one point. Wow. This is interesting. Well, maybe next year, Gen Con 2020, we're going to see everybody finding ways to take the technology that Taburu has put out there and innovate on it. Yeah, So hopefully. that's a cool thing to look uh, forward although to. Although, again, it's proprietary, so you know it'll probably be with Simon okay, well, for a little while. what their Simon employees, what <laughs> Eric Lang <laughs> yeah, dreams hopefully up. Hopefully Eric and his crew will yeah. come up with, uh, with uh, all that stuff. So. Yeah, who is uh, a genius mad scientist game designer. Uh, uh, Eric's amazing. He's brilliant. Like, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and he's with Simon now, but he has designed for himself and for many other companies in the past. Uh, as Frequently someone, FFG. Yeah. Oh, but I, someone, I heard they were changing it back to come on. Are they? I don't know. People used to say come on and then they were like, no, it's Simon. And before that it was cool mini Doesn't or not. Come on seem like an imperative? Come or is that on. the intent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Simon I, I prefer Simon because that's what I call it now. Right. And also come on is like Get over what is, it. Yeah, you know, it can go a couple different yeah, ways, whatever. right? What does yeah. cool mini or not mean? Well, they used to do lots of mini they, based they games. They used to. We'll they started do. out as a forum for miniature like enthusiasts and uh, like oh. people who took apart and put miniatures back together in different ways and painted them and things like that. Huh. And they would have like, like IKEA hacks. Yeah, for yeah, minis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't That's know really yeah. cool. Way back in the day, yeah. So they started as a forum, and then they were like, well, maybe we should just make our own game around minis. Uh, that's how I knew them anyway. Uh, maybe you there was another. You knew them anyway? Att- uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, as someone who wasn't at Gen Con, actually, one of the ones that I had Ooh. heard. Of- <laughs> <laughs> he was at Gen Camp, just though. Boo me. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I heard through the social media network a, f- a fair amount of buzz about uh, Tapestry. Was yeah, that-, that was announced after Gen Con, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was announced, I think. A couple days after really? the show, or maybe just the day after. Just a couple days after. To be so re- rebels. Jamie is that that man. Like the way his brain works stuns me. Um, is so uh, it, you're in post decompressed Gen Con, but you're still paying attention, right? Sure. Yeah, you're Every, actually still actively paying attention because you want to see how your stuff played out. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And everyone is done, and everyone's tired, but they're still got eyeballs on the internet. Uh, it's like, oh, here's okay. one more announcement. Slide it right in. That is okay. that was, I'm it convinced. Was really smart. That is pretty cool. That's Jamie, yeah. Tapestry Jamie looks Stegmeier amazing. Jamie of Stonemaier Games. Yes. Yeah, this is a worker placement, it looks like. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. That's what my visual interpretation so, is. Yeah, it, um, it's a Civ builder. Like I, th- I don't know if it's fully 4X, but yeah, it is a slight worker placement along with some other mechanics. There's like some advancements tracks and other things my, like that. My understanding of the basic mechanic is that there are four tracks. There's like military and tech and a f- couple others, which I can't remember at the time. And uh, your, your basic choice every turn is just choosing one of the four tracks to try and focus on. Okay. And then it has a variety of other knock-on effects so like there's kind of like a victory condition goal that you're going for is one of the tracks. I think every everything is I think it's a little point salady. Like okay. you, uh, everything gives yeah, you a little bit points. of, of Me victory love points. Point yeah. salad. Well, as three people who haven't played it, I guess we shouldn't expand on it too much. Well, the yeah, reason exactly. I was mentioning it's it was like yet, so. I remember it being one of the few that stood out, but it's interesting that it was afterwards. Right, I think that's one of the reasons it did stand out. So yeah. I, let's actually sorry, I didn't mean to tangent um, us. Let's well, talk let about Well, let me tangent us again to say another 
<laughs> oh, you, you had an important. I want to say the other breakout that I had heard of and didn't get a chance to play was Parks by mm. Keymaster oh, yeah. Games designer Henry, Henry Audubon. And this is essentially, if you've ever played Tokaido. I have played it. The, yeah, yeah Tokaido. Uh, Every, uh, uh, last same, place always moves next. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if the movement mechanic is the same, but I heard that it had a similar feeling of you are exploring a national park and it's more about the beauty of the game and exploration and the theme of travel and nature that is uh, the thematic element but that yeah you uh, players take on the role of two hikers as they trek through different trails across four seasons of the year so this is one I'm really looking forward to checking out it already has an eight on board game geek out of 10 which is very high yeah I, I haven't played it yet but uh, point of respect for that game um, they're donating a percentage of their proceeds to park services. Amazing. Which is That's pretty great. awesome. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, I love that. That kind of uh, is in lieu of, oh, let me get none of the details right. So there is that um, committee of basically tech giants that is a government advisory board. Mm -hmm. And they this week announced that they want to sort of Corporations are beholden to their shareholders above all else. Above, uh, but but these big tech companies came together, and it may just be you know a, a showy thing that has no practical application. But they have put forth the idea that. In the future, um, profits will not be the most important thing above all else. Um, what's given to charity is important. What, uh, how employees are treated is important, and sort of trying to shift the focus Community of our of America's yeah. corporate. Um, yeah just mechanism to not always be profits are the most important thing, especially if we're going to do anything about climate change. <laughs> so this guy, that political tangent, yes, but also uh, in the vein of like, what a beautiful thing it is to, yes, you are a company making a game to make profits, but also giving people this gift of donating back to the national parks and giving a game that makes you appreciate the natural yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, full respect to, to those folks for, for that choice. That was just amazing. Mad props. Jake, did you want to say anything? No. <laughs> well, let's tie this together. So we're talking about these three games, for instance, that were the hits, of, well, not hits, they were the highly uh, regarded games of Gen Con, but we were saying earlier that nothing really like shot through like Gloomhaven or something like that did right, in previous years, yeah. right? Yeah, there, there were, it was really interesting. I walked the floor, I always, uh, I'm, I'm looking for the next big thing, mm -hmm. and there were quite a few. Th there was a little game I, I didn't have cannot remember the name of it. It was in a tiny booth, but there was a little game that um, involved pucks that like lit up when they went under a central ring, and it was some kind of dexterity game, like hockey pucks, like yeah. air hockey, yeah, table hockey, yeah. It, and I was like, cool. that looks interesting, but I couldn't get back to the booth before the end of the show, so I didn't have a chance to see it. As sometimes happens, yeah. There's so there's a lot of little things like that, but it it wasn't like um, like I expected something like Shadow and Sixth World, uh, the new edition, to be sort of all the talk at the show. Uh, and I heard a lot going in and a lot coming out, but not a lot at the show. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just the format. Maybe mm -hmm. role-playing games don't get Everybody's quite as Well, you can't, yeah. you can't experience the role-playing game right. at a booth fully. Exactly. You, know? you right. can't get a full grasp of, okay, I get what this is, because it requires a full session to really understand what that feels like. Right. Yeah. And the nuances, especially if it's a new edition. But as you were saying, it's sort of like the trend we're seeing in television and film where it's a continuation of a franchise more often than not. Right. Same with a lot of games. Lots of new editions or variations on an existing property. Right. This is a worker placement game and it's got a novel mechanic, but it 
that's it's one thing, right? And it's not quite enough to say, hey, this is like a whole new quantum leap in gaming. Or perhaps we've been spoiled by so much. I think we really have. Yeah, Yeah. that that (laughs) our brains have become numb to some novelties or some degree of novelty that we're like, impress me more. Next thing. (laughs) Can, Can both be true? Yes. I think we are spoiled and also like this still needs more innovation. Like we still need to keep going. Like the you, the, the two things you mentioned in terms of like the magnets and also like the uh, hockey pucks. On, like those are two innovations that people are trying. Now it's like putting them in a larger scale. Maybe, yeah. Let's but, let's see them do something yeah. really interesting. with yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I I think there's always room like games are so flexible the way we we can do anything with pieces and put them in whatever order we want based on a rule, right? Wherever so. we want. I ignore rules. I have pieces <laughs> everywhere in the house. So Even on the floor, decorating it, along with all the frames. It's such an open design, right? Like Whereas like other forms are sometimes constrained. Games can kind of be whatever they want because we're just asking people to commit to whatever rules we design. Yeah, the circle. So keep going. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on Victory Points today. Tell everybody what Crafty is up to and what they can look forward to coming from Crafty in the future, what you're up to and where to find you online. Sure. Uh, So our home uh, is uh, crafty-games.com. And that's uh, everything that we currently make is is available or has sort of an information nexus there. Uh, And uh, if if you're there and and interested in upcoming stuff, definitely sign up for the newsletter because that's where we're making most of our big announcements these days. Uh, There's a link for it right on the front page. Um, Did I hear something about metal dice? Metal dice. That's the big thing. Yeah. (laughs) So so we talked about Mistborn at the beginning of the show and and how it's it's all about metal. Uh, And we made some acrylic dice a while back and people really like them. Uh, they're D6s that replace uh, the six with a symbol uh, from the magic alphabet uh, from the uh, from the world uh, that Isaac Stewart built. And um, so we wound up partnering with Die Hard Dice, who are phenomenal. Um, and uh, they're at dieharddice.com. I highly recommend you check out their stuff. But they, uh, they are uh, producing a 20 die all metal um, set for us. Unique finish and plating on every die. Wow. Unique symbol on every die. Half of them are pushing so the, the the numbers are depressed and half of them are pulling so the numbers are pulled up. What? Yeah. Does that does that affect the way the dice rolled? No, no, because the um, uh, there's a ring around the pulled up. Yes, okay, yeah. I get you. Yeah, That's so cool. The, it's still a it's flat, flat face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, we're, we're prepping that. We're going to go to Kickstarter with that in about a month. So if you're interested in that, That's definitely great. sign up for the newsletter. Amazing. Okay, yeah. cool. Make sure you sign up for the Crafty Newsletter. And uh, can they find you on Twitter? Uh, yes. Cr- uh, Twitter is Crafty underscore games. Awesome. Yeah. Crafty with a... Uh, C. Uh, with a C. How it should be spelled, but I yes, don't know. Like, not a K. Like someone I, yeah. really, spell I don't know why I ever always picture Craft crafty glue. with a K. I think it's because of Kraft Foods or something. I don't know. But isn't there like oh, yeah. a donut thing that starts Krispy with a K? Krispy Kreme's. Krispy Kreme's, yeah. Krispy yeah. 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 oh, yeah. Kreme has Kraft made us C. all illiterate. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have on Victory <laughs> Points. Say thank you so much for listening. If you like us and you want us to be your friend, all you have to do is rate us a five. That's all we want. And tell the world. Oh, yeah. And tell your friends about us. Yeah. Okay, see you next time. Bye. Bye.